And hello and welcome, everybody, to your Animal Central podcast. I'm your host, author and creator of the Animal Central website. And my name is Frederick Fishman, and this podcast is episode number 097. And it's all about the animals who live with us and are our neighbors here on planet Earth. We hope that you will tell your friends about this podcast and our Animal Central membership website. Just tell them to check us out at animals-central.com. That's animals-central.com. Okay, let's get started. All right, we'll start off with our news story, and we're going to talk about a new breed of animal documentary, and this was published recently in the New York Times, and there's a moment in Gunda, which is an artful documentary about barnyard animals, that could take its place in a list of the year's best scenes. The star, a sow with a bustling litter of piglets, has just experienced an unmistakable trauma. Pacing around the farm, she conveys a palpable agitation and emotion before turning at the camera pointedly. This isn't the sort of thing we're accustomed to and to seeing in nature films. It's as if we're getting into a glimpse of Gunda's inner life, and there's no narrator telling us what the animal might be thinking. It's emotionally engaging and feels distinctive to Gunda, instead of an illustration of the species or the planet as a whole. More frequently, a voiceover and crystal clear story guide points our attention and defines understanding of what we are seeing in a nature documentary. There's no shortage of drama, to be sure, but usually it's spectacular tales of survival or mass migration, even when we're not looking at a panorama on the scale of planet Earth. The greater context seems to overshadow the individual animal, but there are signs of new directions in how animals are portrayed in nature films. Gunda, which opened on Friday via virtual cinema, feels like part of this movement, along with a different but unusual film, My Octopus Teacher, which is on Netflix. Both present animals as being apart from us not just objects or a wonder of scientific study, with the qualities that they're all their own, not shadows of human emotions. Let's film animals the way we film humans, Victor Kuskievsky, the director of Gunda, said, as he told his cameraman, if you feel like they need space, let them be. If you feel they are comfortable, you come closer. You probably already had my octopus teacher recommended to you by friends or family. Over the course of a year, a South African naturalist, Craig Foster, becomes fascinated and emotionally involved with a small octopus. We observe the vicissitudes of her life and moments of contact with Foster, who explains his experience in an interview segment that have a candor of a therapy session. Blue chip documentaries like the dazzling Planet Earth series loom large in the minds of many viewers, but nature films have had an evolving lineage. Early 20th century accounts of 
safaris and exploration gave way to Disney's anthropomorphic appreciations of the animal kingdom. Eventually, a conversationalist ethos and sense of scientific discovery took hold, with a perceived desire for spectacular shots, no doubt given a boost by the arrival of HD television and even larger screens in 2000. There's no question that drawing comparisons with people has been a great convenience and sometimes very educational storytelling tragedy. But it is limited in many ways because our knowledge of science increases. We also realize there are differences in why species do what they do. It's a close encounter of a sort that's becoming more apparent in nature documentaries, both physical and emotional. All right, let me play you some animal sounds. This is the portion of the podcast where I usually present three animal sounds, and you try and guess what these animals are. And then I'll tell you a little bit about them. Okay, let's play this first animal sound. What do you think? Well, that is an ostrich. And they are large, flightless birds from Africa. With powerful legs, they can run up to 45 miles per hour or 70 kilometers per hour. They are the fastest birds on the ground, and they are known around the world. The males can be as tall as 9 feet. The females about 6.5 feet. An ostrich kick can kill a human being. Because an ostrich is tall and can weigh as much as 350 pounds, they can deliver quite a wallop. They live in small herds of no more than 12 individuals. But can you imagine if a herd of these things were after you? The best thing then would just be stay in your vehicle. All right, that is the ostrich. All right, let's go to the next animal sound, and let's see if you can determine what this animal is. Let me play that again for you. I bet there's a lot of you that probably know that this is a hyena. They are four-legged carnivores with very powerful jaws. They are unique and they are essential components of the African ecosystem. They eat their food quickly. They sometimes scavenge. A lot of times they scavenge. In Africa, they are considered as contemptible and frightening by humans, with a lot of negative thoughts surrounding them. They originated about 22 million years ago, and they generally avoid humans, but they can't attack humans, like I said. They scavenge meat or attack weak prey, and they also they eat fruit as well. They hunt in packs, and they can be fearsome, fearsome competitors on the African plain, and that is the hyena. Okay, here's one more animal sound that you may be able to identify. Let me play that for you one more time. That 
is the sound of an orangutan, and an orangutan is one of the great apes native to Indonesia and Malaysia. They are found in the rainforest also of Borneo and Sumatra. Orangutans split off from humans, chimpanzees, and gorillas about 20 to 15 million years ago. They are among the most intelligent of primates. They use tools and they construct elaborate sleeping nests at night. They eat mostly fruit, but if they find eggs, they can't resist. They live in the wild and in captivity for about 30 years. Females stand about 3 feet 9 inches tall, and males about 4 feet 6 inches tall. They weigh between 82 and 165 pounds, and when you look in their eyes, you can almost sense their intelligence. And that is the orangutan, and those are the three animal sounds for today. All right, it's time for our animal description. And I thought I would choose an animal this time uh, that uh, is no longer living on the planet Earth. It has gone extinct. And this animal is a pterodactyl. I'm sure you've seen these pterodactyls uh, depicted in many movies, especially uh, at the end and final scene of Jurassic Park, the first Spielberg Jurassic Park. Some people consider them wing-flying dinosaurs, but the explanation truly is that they are winged and flying reptiles, although they lived in the time of the dinosaur. It was the first petrosaur to be named, identified, as a flying reptile. Pterodactyls had wings formed by a skin and muscle membrane stretching from its elongated fourth finger to its hind legs. They were first discovered as a specimen and described by Italian scientist. I won't even attempt to give you his full name. His last name was Collini. In 1784, based on a fossil skeleton, that had been unearthed from the Solenhofen limestone in Bavaria. Pterodactyls antiquitous, as the name is called in scientific language, was a fairly small petrosaur, an estimated wingspan of about three feet, five inches. Now, petrosaurs, like I said before, they lived among the dinosaurs and became extinct around the same time but they were not dinosaurs. Rather, petrosaurs were flying reptiles. Modern birds did not descend from petrosaurs. Birds' ancestors were small, feathered, terrestrial dinosaurs. So when you see birds all around you, those are ancient lineage going back all the way to the dinosaur. The skulls of the adult pterodactyls were long and thin, with a narrow, 90 narrow and conical teeth. Based on the shape and the size and arrangement of the teeth, the pterodactyl has long been recognized as a carnivore specializing in small animals. A 2020 study of petrosaur tooth where supported the hypothesis that pterodactyls preyed mainly on invertebrates and had a generalist feeding strategy indicated by a relatively high bite force. During its 200-year history since its discovery, 
the various species of pterodactyls have gone through a number of changes in classification and thus have acquired a large number of synonyms. Additionally, a number of species assigned to pterodactyls are based on poor remains that have proven difficult to assign to one species or another and are therefore considered nomina dubia, meaning doubtful names. Pterodactyls are regarded as probably one of the most iconic prehistoric creatures with multiple appearances in books and movies as well as television series and video games. The popular aspect of pterodactyls consists of that long head crest and the long wings. They were just strange-looking flying creatures back then, reptiles, who lived among the dinosaurs, and all of them, the dinosaurs and the pterodactyls, and they disappeared 65 million years ago. Now, usually this last segment, I can read a poem or maybe tell a joke or two, but I've got a little surprise for you. Instead of doing that, I'm going to extend that, uh, that period of time back then a long time ago, millions of years ago, and give you some fun facts about dinosaurs. This is just a little quickie list here, okay? You know the dinosaurs lived millions of years ago in the time period that geologists call the Mesozoic Era. This ran from about 248 million years ago to 65 million years ago. It is made up of the Triassic, Jurassic, and Cretaceous periods. Dinosaurs all had four limbs. Some walked on all fours, but others walked on two legs and used the other two limbs as arms. They all had tails. Some used them for balance some as a weapon. The ankylosaur had two large lumps of bone at the end of the tails, which they swang around at their enemies like a club. The biggest dinosaurs were plant-eating sauropods, such as the brachiosaurus. Dinosaurs laid eggs. The fastest dinosaurs were probably the ostrich dinosaurs, and they could probably run as fast as 70 miles per hour. Some experts think that Tyrannosaurus rex could run very fast indeed. Others think not as fast as a human sprinter. I wouldn't want to try that one out, that's for sure. The reptiles that lived in the sea or flew in the air were not really dinosaurs. And no one to this day knows for sure what color dinosaurs were. And finally... Most people think that the dinosaurs became extinct after a giant meteorite hit the Earth 65 million years ago. Scientists found a huge crater under the sea off the coast of Mexico, which could be where it hit. That is a little summary of the dinosaurs, the times they lived in, and what they were like. Well, that's a wrap for today's episode number 97 of the Animal Central Podcast. And I want to thank you very much for joining us. And I hope that you tune in again for some more fascinating animal news stories, descriptions, sounds, 
poems or jokes and a surprise or two along the way, possibly. And if you are not a member of the Animal Central website, check us out now at animals, that's plural, animals-central.com. That's animals-central.com. It's been fun. Let's do it again, okay? Bye-bye.